Can we lift our hands right now all over this room and will you just thank Him? Just thank Him right now for all those times when you've been in a season, in a place of waiting, and you may be in one of those places right now at this moment. But He who is promised is faithful. You don't wait alone. He's right there with you. He sees where you're at today, and He is faithful and just, and He will bring His presence and His grace right there where you're at. Lord, today we lift up our hands, God, as a sign of praise and thanksgiving, Lord, to all that you are and all that you've already done in our lives, God. We, we praise you that we stand here today, God, knowing the, the faithfulness and the goodness of our great God who's been faithful in the good times, who's been faithful in the bad times. And Lord, today, if there's anyone here today who's in that place and in that season of waiting, waiting on an answer, waiting for renewal, waiting for provision, waiting for healing. God, may they receive that word from Isaiah that we just sang, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. It's a promise of your word today. And we pray that this morning as we, as we enter into a time of unpacking your word this morning, that God, you would do that in this place today. That God, you would renew our strength. Lord, you see every person who's here today. Lord, you know every person who's listening to this podcast later this week. And you see where they're at and you know what it is that they need to hear from you today. And we ask you this morning, Lord, today, that you would minister the strength, you would minister the courage, you would minister the word that we need to hear today. And it would transform our minds, it would transform our hearts, it would transform our walk. And we'll walk out of this place different because we've had an encounter with you today, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Well, this morning we're going to begin uh, with something a little bit different. We're going to begin with what we call a call and response, okay? I don't know if you know what a call and response is, but what, what it is is I'm going to make a variety of statements, and you're going to respond to what I say with the same statement each time, okay? Now, this is actually a, a biblical thing. We can find one of these in Psalm 136, and we're going to do this to kind of get warmed up this morning. So this is coming up on the screen. I'm going to say the line that's in white, 
and I need you to respond with the line that's in yellow, okay? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Okay, good job. All right, you got it. All right, now we're going to do another call and response this morning, but it's not going to be that spiritual, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you through a few things, but here's the response that you need to make on every one of these. You need to say, I doubt that, okay? Let's practice. One, two, three. Okay, all right, you ready? Here we go. I think that we have seen the last of the warm weather. Fall is here to stay. I think the Braves' bullpen is going to catch up with the Braves' hitting, and they're going to make it to the World Series. When the new Zaxby's opens up the street, I think we'll all be able to get in the first week with no problem. Sure, we're a divided country, but I think by the time we get to the next election, our politicians are going to have everything figured out. We've got enough Rinkin Church of God shirts. I'm sure Pastor Josh won't create any more. Have you seen the Georgia Bulldogs defense? I mean, this is their year. <clears throat> now that the Delta variant is gone, COVID-19 is over. I heard Pastor Les say he's going to start preaching shorter sermons. Why are y'all so strong on that last one? I mean, my, my goodness, all right? Now, think about all the statements that we just made, all the statements I made, and the response to those statements. What was your response based on? Okay, you're like, it's simple. It's based on the fact that you told us to say, I doubt that, okay? But if you think about everything we just said, your response was based on experience, because as folks who live in South Georgia, we know fall doesn't get here until it's actually winter on the calendar, right? We know that when it comes to politicians, they never work together for the good of the people that have put them in that place, right? We know that when it comes to our sports teams, especially here in Georgia, we love them. But the Braves, they won last night. The Bulldogs did what they needed to do. And today they're going to be number one, right? Okay, that's good news for the Dogs fans. But... We know how the dogs are, right? And we know next week they've got to play the only under undefeated team in the SEC in, in Kentucky, all right? And we're a little nervous about that if we're a dogs fan. And you guys have heard me preach for years, and you know I don't own a short sermon, okay? So you understand that your I, your I doubt that's were based on experience. And a lot of times when it comes to our doubts, we, we lead with our doubts, because we've had things that have happened and, and, and our expectation is we don't want to be let down. And so sometimes we lead with those doubts so we don't want to be disappointed. Well, today we get to week five of this series we've been in, Stuck, Finding Traction in Truth and Action. And over the last few weeks we've talked about how we get stuck in sins that snare, how we get stuck in perspectives that poison how we get stuck in hurts that hinder. And last week we talked about how we get stuck in pain that paralyzes. And if you've missed any of those weeks, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast or watch the message. I've just been so grateful 
for the way I've seen each week God minister through these messages and just really encourage you and I appreciate all the things that you're saying and sharing because it, it lifts my hands up to hear what God's doing in your life. Well, next week, I just want to go and give a preview. Next week, we're going to talk about something that I know affects a lot of people and that is depression and anxiety. And next week, we're going to put the umbrella over that and, and call that darkness that destroys so if you know somebody who deals with anxiety or stress or depression, next week we're going to speak specifically to that. But today, as you probably have already figured out, we're going to talk about doubt today. Today we're going to talk about doubt that disables. How many of you know that doubt can be very detrimental in your life? No matter how it shows up, doubt can be a, a difficult thing. How many of you know somebody who is a doubtful person? How many of you would say that person looks at me every morning in the mirror? I, I'm a doubtful person. How many of you would say that? You know, I, I know there's been seasons in my life, and just nod at me if you've been there too, where I have dealt with doubt. I have dealt with doubt, recurring doubt that just keep, keeps hanging on and, and knocking on my door and tapping me on the shoulder. And I think this word that we've partnered with doubt for today, doubt that debilitates is a perfect word because when I look up the definition of the word debilitate, here's what I find. Debilitate means to make weak or feeble, to impair the strength of. So when I doubt something, especially when I, my faith is weak and I doubt as it relates to things in my spiritual life, I'm weak spiritually, right? I'm, I'm impaired. I'm not as strong as I used to be. Uh, some other words for debilitate are incapacitate or cripple or hamstring. And I saw this play out a couple of weeks ago on Thursday night football. And we talked a little bit about football a minute ago. And I, I'm originally from North Carolina. So I am a Carolina Panthers fan. They're my team for the NFL. And the Panthers have not done great the last few years. So they only got one nationally televised game this year. It was a couple of weeks ago on a Thursday night. They were playing the Texans, and I thought, you know, this is a young team, a, a new coach. I've not seen them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend my Thursday night. I've got my popcorn. I, I'm ready to go. I'm going to watch this game. And I settled in. The Panthers were 2-0, and which is better than 0-2, right? I'm like, hey, at least we're getting started right. I'm a strong start. Defense looks good. We finally have a quarterback who can throw the ball. Don't get me started on 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 Carolina Panthers history, okay? But we finally have a quarterback who can throw the ball, and things are going well, and then it happens. Our number one player, some would say the best running back in the league, Christian McCaffrey, goes down with a pulled hamstring. And look at this picture. This picture on the left is a picture of McCaffrey being led off the field. And Brock and I are watching that, and he said, well, Dad, he's walking off the field. Maybe that's a good sign that he, he hasn't completely ripped his hamstring. Well, within just a few plays, no, no kidding, within a few plays, number eight there, J.C. Horn, our first pick in the draft this year, a cornerback from South Carolina, goes down with a broken foot. And I'm like, oh my goodness, two of our very best players have gone down in this one game. Well, they, they did win the game, but these two players are now stuck in injured reserve with a debilitating 
uh, injury that is keeping them from being in the game. And just like in that game, two top NFL players were put in a position where they could not perform the way that they needed to and their injury affected the rest of their team. There's a story in scripture where a group of top tier apostles were hamstrung and debilitated because of their doubt. We find this story in Luke chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles or something with your Bibles on it, turn to that passage this morning. And we're going to camp out right there this morning and you want to just stay on Luke 24 because we're going to keep coming back to that verse throughout the, the, uh, the message today, and, and you can look on the Version Bible app and find the points in the scriptures, but when we get to Luke 24, this chapter is the last chapter in the book of Luke. This is the chapter he, write, he wraps everything up. And when you turn over to chapter 24, if you're looking at it, you notice that this is Resurrection Sunday. The tomb is empty. A group of women have showed up to anoint the body of Jesus. They show up, the stone is rolled away, they, they walk in the tomb, and there are two angels there, and the angels speak to them and say, He is not here, He is risen. Happy Easter, right, here in October, all right? And then they go run to a place where they know all the disciples are hiding, and they go and tell them what they've seen, and, and Luke tells us that Peter leaves, he goes to the tomb, he checks it out himself, he sees it's empty, and he doesn't really know what to do with that, and so he goes back to where all the other guys are. Then the next story you find in Luke 24 is a story of two other Christ followers. Now, they're not in the top 12, they're not hiding away with the other disciples, but they're walking down the road, and they're talking about everything that's been going on over the last few days in Jerusalem. So they're talking about the arrest and the trial and the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. And as they're walking along, your Bible says that Jesus shows up. He starts walking with them and say, hey guys, what's up? What are y'all talking about? Well, God kept those men from recognizing that it was Jesus. And so they say, well, dude, are you new in town? Do you not know what's going on? Do you, know, not, do you not know the headlines? And they begin to tell Jesus everything that had happened, and then Jesus begins to tell them how all of those things were a fulfillment of Scripture. And by the time they get to their, their, their town, Jesus is going to go on, and they say, hey, man, this is good. Come on to the house and eat supper. So they sit down for supper, and right when they break the bread, the scripture says that Jesus opens their eyes, they realize it's Jesus, and he disappears. I'd be like, come on, man, I just realized it was you. And then he's gone. Well, of course, these men take off. They, they take the seven-mile walk, which probably was a run, from Emmaus back to Jerusalem to find the disciples who were hiding away. And they go in and they begin to tell the disciples what happened. And when you get to verse 36 of chapter 24, this is what it says. Okay, let's look at this together. While they were still talking about this, okay, so what you've got is these two men are telling the disciples about what just happened to them. The women who were there at the tomb, they're there too, so they're telling their story. So everybody's telling their version of what has happened on this day. While they're still talking about this, look, 
Jesus, what is that next word? Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled, startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And I'm thinking, Jesus, you just left a great meal. He was still hungry, he said. And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then, look at this verse, he opened their minds. So they could understand the scripture. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And when he led them out. To the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Now when we get to this story in verse 36, the disciples are hiding. They're fearful, they're weak. They're doubting and they are, they are dealing with a doubt that has disabled them from functioning normally and they are stuck literally. And some of you here today in this room and some of you are listening to this podcast later this week, you are stuck right now. You're stuck in a place of doubt because of something that happened in your life and you deal with a lot of doubt. You're stuck in a place in your belief because you prayed and asked God for something specifically and God did not answer it the way you hoped he would. You prayed that that person would be healed and they weren't healed and so now it's difficult for you to pray for somebody else to be healed because you're dealing with doubt. You're just like those disciples. You're in a place where you're dealing with doubt. And so if we're stuck like we've talked about with the motorcycle story, if we're stuck in a place of doubt and doubt that debilitates, how do we get out? We've got to have what? What's the T word, everybody? We've got to have traction. And we get traction through what? Truth and action. In John chapter 8, our theme verse for this series, Jesus said, You are truly my disciples. If you remain faithful to my teachings, that's the action. And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's the truth, okay? So let me share with you this morning from this story some truths and then some action steps that you can take if you're stuck in doubt that debilitates. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Here we go. Number one, Jesus sees us in our doubts. That's the first truth I want you to see. Jesus sees us in our doubts. Look at verse 36 again. While they were still talking about this, okay, 
This is before Jesus enters the room. Remember, you've got two followers of Jesus who've come back to this place. They're talking about what happened. You've got Peter who's been to the empty tomb. You've got the other disciples who, have, who are talking. You've got the women who've been to the tomb that morning. And they are all, that room was a buzz. You better believe it. And they're saying, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Do you think it's real? I'm not sure. I saw him die. We saw him. The women are like, we saw him be put in the tomb. And they're going back and forth. And they're talking about this. That room is, is lively with, with words and with actions and with doubts. We're not sure. But while they were talking about this, Jesus, because he can see all and is, and is all and is everywhere in all places, Jesus saw what was going on in that place. As a matter of fact, Jesus appearance to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus set up what he's about to do in this room. Jesus saw them in their doubts and I want to tell you this morning that Jesus sees you in your doubts and that's a good thing. We, we would think oh my goodness Jesus sees me in all my doubts. Let me tell you why it's a good thing. Psalm 103 says this, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed and he remembers we are dust. God knows what he started with. He knows we are flesh and blood. So when he sees us in our doubts, y'all, he is not surprised. Does that make sense? So while they're still talking about this, all right? So this tells me that while we are still talking about and you're still dealing with your doubts and your insecurities and, and, and your uncertainties and as Ginger spoke to us last Sunday, while we're still wrestling with God and we're still talking to God and we're still complaining to God, remember complain to God not about God, while we're still lamenting about what's going on, God sees you, and as a father has compassion on his children, he sees where you're at. That's good news, but it gets better. Truth number two is Jesus doesn't just see us in our doubts. Truth number two, Jesus shows up in our doubts. Oh, y'all, that's better than you're helping me this morning. Jesus shows up in our doubts. Now, look how good this is. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself shows up in the room. Nobody looked out the window and saw him coming down the road. Nobody heard his footsteps coming up the steps. Nobody heard him knock on the door. They are talking about this. They're debating, and all of a sudden, boom, he's there. In the middle of their doubts, please get this, in the middle of all of their questions, Jesus is suddenly standing physically in front of them in their doubts. And here's what I want you to see about that this morning. Their doubts did not prevent Jesus from making a, an appearance in their lives. Don't miss that. Your doubts and your struggles and your insecurities and your questions does not keep Jesus from showing up in your life. This is really the quintessential essence of who our good God is. When we are stuck in doubts, in questions, in insecurities, when we are literally hiding away from God, Jesus will show up in the middle of that situation. 
It reminds me of the words that Moses spoke to Joshua when he sent him on his way. And he said, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And Jesus does the same thing for us. Have you ever been wrestling with doubts and Jesus still showed up in your life? Boy, I can tell you there have been countless times in my life when I have been wrestling with doubts and questions and asking God some things I just didn't understand. But despite my questions and despite the things that were racking my brain, Jesus still showed up. I read his word. I prayed. I heard a message. I was in a worship service. I listened to somebody else's testimony. And God used that to show up in my life to say, boy, I see you and I'm going to show up even though you're doubting me. See, God has never waited for us to be perfect, to be right, to be sinless, to be doubtless, to show up in our lives. John said this, we love him, why? Because he first loved us. Paul said in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said on his way back to heaven in Matthew chapter 28, I am with you always and to the end of the age. So it's just what Jesus does. He shows up despite our doubts. Amen? So truth number one, Jesus sees us in our doubts. Jesus shows up in our doubts. And here's the third thing. Jesus speaks peace to our doubts. Now look at the rest of this verse. They were still talking about this. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Overcome by doubt, they knew exactly what, Jesus knew exactly what they needed to hear. He said the exact words in that moment. Again, get in that room with me, church. They are talking back and forth. Well, I think, well, I think, well, you didn't see, well, I saw, well, I believe, well, I don't believe, well, I doubt, well, I believe. They're going back and forth. And in the middle of all that, Jesus steps in and says, peace be with you. Peace over this conversation. Peace over your doubts. Peace over the things that you're, you're going through. And, and this is not uncommon for Jesus. He always has a knack of stepping in and saying peace. Mark chapter 5, the disciples are in a boat and, and the wind is, is, is racking their boat and they're rocking and, and Jesus steps up, rebukes the wind and the sea and says, Peace be still. John chapter 14, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And three times after Jesus' resurrection, he showed up and said those words, Peace be still. Jesus sees us in our doubts. Jesus shows up in our doubts. And Jesus speaks to our doubts. But it gets better. Look at this next truth. Jesus, number four, reveals truth to our doubts. He doesn't just see us. He doesn't just show up. He doesn't just speak to us. He reveals truth. He didn't just say a few reassuring words. He didn't just walk in and say, peace, boys. And then he was out again. He didn't show up and just break the bread like in the previous story and disappear. No, he was setting something up for this story. He didn't just disappear. Then he starts unpacking some stuff for them. Because here's the thing about the group of people. Listen, y'all. The group of people in that room, they didn't need Jesus just to see them. 
They didn't need Jesus just to show up. They didn't need Jesus just to speak peace. They needed a transformative they, need a, they needed a revelation in their minds. They needed a shift in their mindset. They needed something that was going to move them from doubt to confidence, from faith to fear. And watch what Jesus does. Watch how Jesus reveals truth in this story. He's very intentional about what he says in, in, this, in this passage. Verse 37. They were startled and frightened after he says, peace be still, thinking... He's a ghost. This is not really Jesus. This is just a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Jesus was saying, guys, it's not a ghost. It's me. This is me. I've got the nail prints in my hands and I've got the nail prints in my feet to prove to you it is me. I am flesh. I am bones. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones. In that moment, Jesus was proving his identity. Those words that he said right there were proof that he was who he said he was. But he didn't just reveal that to them. So now they're like, it is Jesus. I see the nail, the nail prints in his hands and his feet. I see he's flesh. That is Jesus. But wait, there's more. Look at the next verse. When he said this, he showed him his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Now, now that kind of, that verse 41 almost doesn't make sense. But when you think about it, it does. Because it says, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement. Okay, so, so this is like, I, I'm, I've just got sports on the brain because I watched a lot of football uh, yesterday. But last night, I, and I was in the bed, but apparently around midnight, Texas A&M beat Alabama. And that's something everybody can be happy about, right? All right? But I am sure in that stadium last night when Texas A&M beat Alabama and they saw the score, there was joy and amazement, but they still didn't really believe it. Do you get that? We can't believe we beat Alabama. I can't believe this is Jesus, but I see him standing here. And then he says, all right, boys, I'm going to give you one more thing. Give me a piece of that fish, and I'm going to eat something in front of you, and that's going to prove to you that I'm not a ghost, that I am flesh, and I am blood, and I am bones. And that was not just proof of his identity. This was proof of his vitality, that he was alive, he was well, it was him in the flesh, and he was back from the dead. Oh, come on, somebody. Say praise the Lord. Now look at the next verse. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. I've been telling you this, guys, for three years. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Okay, He said, guys, we've been talking about this. I've been teaching this to you for three years, how everything in the Old Testament leads to what I've been doing. And then look at verse 45. Y'all, this is, this is crazy. It says, then he... Opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. Could he have done that on day one when he walked up to them and called them out of the boats and said, follow me? Yes. You know why he had to wait? Because they had to see the whole thing. And now he's alive 
They see a resurrected body that still has the scars that proves that he was the one who was crucified. And he's standing here alive, speaking, encouraging them, eating some fish, saying, come and touch me. It is me. And in that moment, supernaturally, he unlocks something in their minds that everything they had heard him say over three years, all the moments where they sat around the campfire and said, please repeat that, Jesus. I still don't get it. At that moment, they got it. Now, they still didn't have the Holy Spirit that they were going to be empowered with a few days later that was going to give them the strength and the boldness to speak it. But in that moment, it was like Jesus took a thumb drive and put it in their ear and downloaded everything they needed to understand about the whole Bible. And in that moment, Jesus revealed the truth they needed. And we've, we've said, first of all, he revealed the proof of his identity. Then he revealed the proof of his vitality, that he was alive. And right here, he downloaded to them the proof of his divinity, that he was the Messiah, that his life, death, and resurrection proved who he was. I don't know about you, but as I've read this this week, I am so encouraged to know that Jesus sees me in my doubts. He shows up in my doubts. Oh, come on, somebody help me. He speaks to my doubts, and then he reveals truth to my doubts so I can fully understand through worship and through the Word and through prayer and through meditation and through fellowship and through hearing other people's stories. Jesus reveals truth to our doubts. And here's the last truth I want you to see before I give you some action steps. Jesus uses us despite our doubts. So the only people who ever get to hold a mic and preach and sing and lead a class or be a pastor are the people who don't have any more doubts. Do you think that's true? Well, that's baloney. That's not true at all. If that was the case, I could never get up here again. We would never have anybody up here ever again because we're still flesh and blood. We wrestle with doubts. And here's the most amazing thing maybe about this whole passage, that everything Jesus did in Luke 24 was to get them to this point to where he could say, guys... You're back on mission. You checked out for a couple of days. You, you left me alone. You've been hiding, but I came to get you because what I called you to do has not changed. Peter, I'm still going to build the church on you. I still have a mission and a plan. And even though you're stuck in doubt, he gave them what they needed to see and hear physically to bring them to a place where they were restored and to, rest, and to establish them despite their doubts. Look at what happens in, in verse 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Who was going to do that preaching? Jesus? No, he's going back to the Father. That's their job. Beginning at Jerusalem, and you're witnesses of these things, and I'm going to send who? You, what my Father has promised, but you stay in the city until you've been clothed with power because you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to go complete the mission. Even though you're doubting, despite your questions, despite your insecurities, you're here for a reason, and the same is true for us. God wants to use us despite our doubts. He sees us, he shows up, he speaks to us, he reveals truth, and he uses us despite our doubts. Everything Jesus did in Luke 24 was in response 
to their debilitating doubts. And even though they had abandoned him and denied him and they were in hiding, he went to where they were. Does that sound like anybody's story in this room? Anybody in this room know that Jesus went and found you where you were. You didn't come to him. Anybody? So what a beautiful story to see how Jesus went to them. And what's true for them is true for us. If you're stuck in doubts that debilitate today, you can take a lot of things from this passage. But here's what you've got to do with it. Three action steps. Number one, you've got to look for God's hand. Based on this story, we know Jesus saw his disciples. He showed up in their lives. And he does the same thing for us. We've just got to look. Somebody say look. We've got to look for his hand. We've got to look for his presence. We need to expect him to show up. You need to expect God to show up in your life. Look for him because he's looking for you. He's probably already showing up in ways in your life. And you're not looking for it yet. See, doubt is kind of like, when doubt gets on us, it's like we're suffering from from short-term memory loss that has a lot of side effects. Okay, follow me on this. You guys will get this. You know these wacky commercials on TV for this new product or this pill? We've seen them for years. And they say, take this new drug, and it's the weirdest name in the world. Can't they just find a normal name for a drug? You know, like drug A or drug H for headaches. Okay? Drug HA for headaches. I can get that, but it's drug headache allotrium. It's something that makes no sense, okay? And they say, take this drug and you'll get rid of your headaches, but there are side effects. You're going to go blind, you can't taste anything, you're going to have hallucinations, you can't sleep, you're going to go and eat the food out of the dog's bowl. I mean, you're going to go nuts, but you're not going to have a headache anymore. And, and y'all know what's funny is I'm really not exaggerating. You look at those commercials and they just keep going and going and going and going. For some people, death. I'd rather have the headache. But that's how doubt works. And, and this is what I thought about this week. When we start doubting, there's a lot of side effects. Because when I start doubting, I question that one thing I'm wrestling with. And one of the side effects of doubt is short-term memory loss. I forget all the things that God's already done. I forget how faithful he's been. I forget how many prayers he's already answered. I forget the times that he's given me mercy when I didn't deserve mercy. I forget the times that he, when I'm praying for provision and, and I'm singing, I'm going to wait on you. I'm singing it and singing it and singing, where are you? And I forget all the other times he's provided. He might not be early, but he's never late. He's right on time, right? And doubt will cause us to be debilitated in a place to where I've got all these side effects and and my faith is just almost gone. But I love what David says in Psalm 103. Listen, he says, Praise the Lord my soul. All, somebody say all. All my inmost being praise His holy name. Praise the Lord my soul. Now here it is. And say it with me. Forget not all His benefits. When we doubt, we forget the benefits of God, right? And then he says, what are the benefits? Who forgives all your sins? 
who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfy your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What we're saying this morning here is this. Jesus sees us in our doubts. He shows up in our doubts. And if we'll get our eyes off our doubts and look for God's hand, look for God's presence, expect it to show up instead of, see, we can rehearse one or two things. We can rehearse all of our doubts and our questions. And you know what? You know what this band does when they rehearse these songs? They re- the more you rehearse them, the more you get what? The more you get better at them. You know what happens when you rehearse your doubt over and over and over? You get better at being a doubter. And then you get debilitated. But if you turn that upside down and you start looking for God's hand and you go to Psalm 103 and you start rehearsing the goodness of God, say, I've not gotten this answer yet, but I've had that one and 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 I get up every day and I got life and health and breath and and this is the day that the Lord has made and God has blessed me in, in numerous ways and I'm still waiting for my answer over here, but look at what God has done. I will not forget all His benefits. I will look for God's hand. Is that good? Amen. Here's a second one. Look for God's hand. You can probably guess it by what we talked about. Jesus showed up and then he spoke. Number two, listen for God's voice. Jesus didn't just show up, he spoke. So when you're stuck in doubt, listen, you need to put yourself in a position to hear the voice of God. That means you need to give him your total attention. You know what gets me and my wife in trouble with each other? The same thing that you get in trouble with your husband or wife. When you're trying to say something to them and they're watching TV. Or you're trying to say something to them and they're on their phone. You want their what? Undivided attention. Okay? So here's what I'm going to say to you this morning. If you're stuck in doubt that debilitates, you need to listen for God's voice. And what that might mean is you need to find the off button on some stuff in your life. Your phone, your iPad, your TV, your computer has an off button. Now, your kids don't. Well, it, they do. It's called Benadryl. Slip them some. They'll go to sleep. You'll have a peaceful night. That's a great side effect of Benadryl. You know, you can have a night with your spouse. Have a date right there in the living room. I'm, I'm not, I'm just being funny. I'm not actually suggesting you do that. So don't, don't write me any cards or letters, okay? And some of you are like, does that really work? You might try that. I don't know why, but my husband keeps coming home with NyQuil all the time and giving it to the kids. Okay, what am I talking about? The off button. Find the off button. Because sometimes until I cut the off, until I cut other stuff off, I really don't hear what she's saying. Right? And she'll say, we talked about this. And I probably was thinking about somebody, something else. Anybody other men who need to come to the altar. And she's standing out there pointing at me right now. See, that's unspiritual, okay? You can't do that like right. She's pointing through the window because we had an argument last night about this very thing. And sometimes we're just distracted. So what we've got to do, if we want to hear God's voice and get out of our doubt, we've got to find the off button. Is that scriptural? Absolutely. Romans 10, 17 says, look at this. Faith comes from what? Hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the good news about Christ. 
The, king, uh, the, the New King James says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So sometimes we've got to cut some stuff off in order to hear what it is that God wants to say to us, right? So look for God's hand. Listen for God's voice. Give me some stopping music, Jack. And here's the last one. Respond to God's command. Now here's the thing. If you're stuck in doubt, if you're stuck in anything really to get out of that, you got to do something different. Okay, so let's go back to this. We've used this every week. When I was told this story week one and I was stuck in a motor, with a motorcycle in, in the mud, I can keep revving it, I can keep spinning my wheels, I can keep throwing the dirt around. I'm going where? Deeper and deeper and deeper. And this motorcycle is not going anywhere until I do something. I've got to get off the bike and leave the bike and go somewhere else. I got to leave where I'm at in the past and go somewhere else to get help to get that thing out. Now I want you to see this. Verse 50 of Luke 24. When he, Jesus, led them where? Out. They left the room they had been in. Do you see that? The room, the hiding place that they had found. Oh, this is so good. I hope you'll get it. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, they, they went out of town. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Boys, your own mission. Ladies, your own mission. Here we go. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Now, before you turn to the next verse... Do you think the next verse said they all looked at each other and said, all right, let's go get back on that bike that's stuck in the mud. Do you think they all went back to that room and sat around and cried and were upset? No, look at what the verse says. Then they worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem with what? Great joy. And they stayed, oh, y'all, this is so good, continually at the temple praising God they did not return to that room they went to church every day and they thanked God for a risen Savior they responded to what God said so for you and I to get unstuck from doubt that debilitates we got to look for God's hand we've got to listen for God's voice but we've got to respond to God's command and maybe it's just this simple. If you've been stuck in doubt with a situation, you need to go do something for God. You need to go down there in the manor house and serve one Saturday. You need to get involved in a ministry and start getting your eyes off of yourself and serve somebody else. My goodness, that's good. You need to find somebody in your neighborhood. Did I just cut my hand? Almost. Ooh, I'm going to need some healing here in a minute. You need to find somebody in your neighborhood that needs help. You need to find a mission that you can give to. Get outside of yourself. Leave that room where you sit in there and you think about all your doubts all the time and go respond to what God's called you to do. Because even in your doubts, He showed up. Even in your questions, He showed up. Even when you don't get it, He shows up. Hallelujah. Now let me show you this morning. You've been wondering, when is He going to get to this? Okay. I'm not going to be like the guy. There was a guy I heard who, who preached an illustrated message one Sunday. He walked in with a goat. 
He tied it up, a live goat. He tied it up on the side. He preached his message, and when he was done, he took the goat and walked out. He never referred to it. But all day long, people wonder when he's going to talk about the goat. I am going to talk about this. Okay, watch this. Here we go. This is how we're going to finish this morning. This is going to be the disciples, okay? Jesus comes along. He builds a, I know you can't read all these. These are really for me to make sure I get this right. But he builds a friendship with them. They see him perform miracles of, of healing. He calls them to follow him. Leave everything behind and follow me. And he's filling up their faith bucket. He spends time with them for three years. He's just, he's just filling up that bucket. He teaches them. And he doesn't just, he doesn't, they don't just hear the teaching of that everybody else hears. They hear the behind, behind the scenes version. Remember? Because he tells them this is what this means. He sees them cast out demons. He sees, they see power over nature. I mean, he calms the storms. He raises the dead. They see the miracles of provision of the 5,000, the 4,000, and so and so on. They see his love. And by the time they get to the cross, the week of, uh, the week of Easter, as they're heading into their week, these guys, they are, they are completely full of faith. They are, they are tipped in the other direction. They are full completely of everything that Jesus has done in their lives. But then comes Thursday night. And the first thing that begins to tip is the Last Supper. Because at the Last Supper, Jesus says some things and they're like, What? I don't understand that. I'm not so sure about that. Within just a few minutes, Jesus would be arrested. A few minutes later, as the hours go on, Jesus would go through a trial. Jesus would be beaten the disciples are now in danger so they start going to that room we've been talking about all morning they start to hide the crowd chants crucify him crucify him and you better believe those boys thought we're next And then comes the crucifixion. And now we're starting to tip a little bit. But the thing that changed it all was this. When Jesus died, it tipped the scale in a way that was not recoverable. There's no way they could recover from, from this one. They were full of doubt. Full of fear, faith is gone. And they're hiding, and they're scared, and they're full of doubts. Nothing had changed here. They had still seen the miracles, they had heard the teachings, they knew it all, it was there. It hadn't been dumped out. But they needed something radical to change. And when Jesus saw where they were, 
and showed up where they were, this one thing that had tipped the scales, Jesus' death, is now Jesus' resurrection. (laughs) And when you take this big boy (laughs) and you put him on this side, there's no recovering from that. That filled their faith bucket overflowing and those men were never the same. They set the world on fire. Now I want you to see something. You know what happens a lot of times? We live maybe about right here. You know, in our lives we kind of do this, right? Right? Anybody do this? You're kind of back and forth. But we'll experience something, and a lot of times it's um, it's death. And And we talked about this last week. If you missed last Sunday's sermon, you need to go back and listen to it. But death is that thing that comes along, and it buries us in doubt. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You experience a death, however it happens, especially... I'm not even going to say especially because if it's a tragedy, it buries you in doubt. And if it's somebody you've been praying for to be healed, like Ginger's story last Sunday, it buries you in doubt. But you know what she said last week? I never thought about this before, and I've been thinking about it all week. She said, what we have to do, we cannot focus on the big no. We've got to look at all the yeses that are there. And see, it hit me this week. Yeah, death is a big no. But there is a bigger yes that conquers every no. No matter how big the no is in your life, there is a bigger yes. And it always tips the bucket back the other way. And that's this. For Jesus to show up in that room meant He was alive and He had conquered death, hell, and the grave. And there was no way, there's no way, listen to me church, listen to me if you're doubting. There is no way you can ever tip it back the other way because Jesus forever, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, He is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Jesus' resurrection is the ace card that somebody drops at the last minute. It's a Texas A&M field goal at midnight to beat Alabama. It's a last-second shot as the time is going out, and it falls, and the national championship is won. That's what the resurrection of Jesus is. It eliminates every every doubt you ever have. You take it by the hand, and you take it to an empty tomb to a resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. So what do I do as the worship team comes? I look for God's hand, I listen for God's voice, and I respond to God's command. This morning, this worship team is going to come as you stand this morning. And we're going we're to close this morning with a song that I think says perfectly what we've been talking about this morning. There's a bridge in a song we've been singing around here for years called The Way. 
And Jack, I want you to put the words of this song up here because this says exactly what I think happened to those disciples and what happens to you when you move from doubt to faith. It's a new horizon when I'm set on you. You meet me here today. You meet me in my doubts with mercies that are new. Look at this line. You guys can go ahead and start playing that and bring that down, Jack. All my fears and doubts, they can all come too. Because I can't stay long. They can't stay long when I'm here with you. That means every time you come to church every Sunday morning, pack them up and bring them with you. Did you hear me? Just bring them with you. And what you can do when you show up on Sunday mornings is, you know, you may not get all of them out of the bucket, but you can get a few on Sunday mornings, right? Anybody come in here and drop a few doubts off in the altar? Anybody? Y'all have. Okay, I got an amen right there. Anybody ever dropped a few doubts at the altar? Anybody dropping any doubts right now? Anybody hearing the word this morning? Dropping a few doubts this morning. See, I love that line. They can all come too because they can't stay long. They can't stay long because of what we talked about this morning, right? That's right. Let's say it. Mm, it's a new horizon when I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long. Let's say it again. When I'm here with you, it's a new horizon. When I'm set on you, and you meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay long. When I believe you are the way, the truth, the lift your hands and, and wave at me right now and say, Pastor, you're talking to me today. You're talking to me. I had some doubts that came in. Anybody, come on. Who's, who's the Holy Spirit's been talking to you today about that, okay? I, I see a lot of hands and, and, and hey, if you didn't raise your hand, you should have because everybody in this room deals with what we've talked about this morning. Come on, we're going to pray. I want everybody that will to come to the altar, and I want us to join together and pray. Come on, everybody in the house, as we sing that again, it's a new horizon. It's a new horizon. I want us to pray together before we leave today. Come on, sing this as you come. And you meet me here today. Mercies that are new. Bring them with you. All my fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't say that again. When I'm here with you, it's a new horizon. And I'm set on you. And you meet me here today with mercies that are new. All my fears and doubts. They can all come to because they can't stay long when I believe.
Let's bow our heads all over this room. I want to pray for you this morning. And as I lead you in this prayer this morning, I want you to pray this prayer out loud to the Lord today. Because every one of us here today, we deal with doubts. There may be a big one you're dealing with right now. Might be a small one, maybe one that's going to show up this week. But I want us to pray what we've talked about this morning over our doubts today. Lord, right now, we look for your hand. God, we pray right now, give us eyes to see your hand. Come on, pray that. Say, Lord, give me eyes to see your hand. Give me eyes to see and experience your presence. When I have those doubts, God, help me to be able to see how you're going to show up in my life. Show me, Lord, where you are in my life. Help me to be able to look for you in those situations. God, I pray today, Lord, that we would listen for your voice. Will you say, God, help me to hear your voice? Lord, give me ears to hear your voice. God, help me to put put the off button on some things in my life so I can hear your voice. Help me to cut off some relationships. Help me cut off some phones and some TVs and some, some bad influences in my life so that I can hear your voice. God, give me ears to hear your voice. God, give me feet and hands to respond to your command. Speak that right now. God, give me feet and hands to move and respond like the disciples did. Lord, help me to respond to what you're saying to me. Help me to get out of that room of doubt and move forward in faith. Lord, we thank you today and we praise you today. Lord, that you see us in our doubts, that you show up in our doubts, that you speak to our doubts, that you reveal truth to our doubts, and that you use us despite our doubts. Lord, I pray this morning over my church family today that, Lord, every person here who's experiencing and battling doubt in their lives today, I pray that you would show up, Lord, that you would speak to them, that they would testify this week to a way that something happened that revealed truth to them, God, that changed them from and rebalanced them as we've demonstrated this morning, that you'll fill up their bucket of faith and remind them that you see them today right where they are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now listen, I want us to do one more thing in faith before we leave today. We started this morning this message by repeating a three-word phrase, and it was what? I doubt it. Remember? Okay. I'm going to give you a new phrase, and it's this. I believe it. Everybody say, I believe it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some things right now that a lot of times the flesh wants to say, I doubt that, okay? But based on the resurrection of Jesus and a full bucket of faith this morning, we're going to declare this morning, I believe that over some stuff in our lives, okay? We're going to speak with faith. This morning we're going to speak things that are not as they are, okay? Are you ready? I believe that. That's what you're going to speak today. My lost loved ones are going to be saved. My children and grandchildren are going to be lifelong followers of Jesus. This mountain that is in front of me, I'm going to overcome it. God's going to work for good in this tragedy in my life. My marriage is going to go the distance. God is going to heal those people that I've been praying for. My business is going to be blessed and successful. 
single people. God is going to send you the right mate at the right time. The Holy Spirit is going to give me the power I need to overcome this sin and this addiction. Despite the pandemic, despite the recession, in spite of a godless society, the church is going to survive and thrive. The best days are ahead for me and my family. The best days are ahead for Rinkin Church of God. Somebody give God praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that. Say it. I believe that. I believe that. Amen. You are the way. Say it one more time before we go. The truth. The life. I believe that you are the way. I believe it, Lord, the truth, the life. Y'all keep singing it as you go today. Give somebody a high five, a handshake, a hug. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you back here Wednesday night. God bless you. That's true.